Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we are so excited and honored to introduce to you guys a funny, down-to-earth, amazing psychic named Michael Bodine, who I'm sure most of you have already heard of. He's been a practicing psychic for more than 40 years. He's known for his accurate, future-oriented readings and wonderful sense of humor. Born into a family of intuitive, he's the author of two books you guys really need to check out, Growing Up Psychic and A Psychic's Life. And today he's on the show to talk about what it's like for a man to be psychic and empathic. So, Michael, I know what it's like as a woman to be psychic. And, you know, that's hard enough, even though we have expressions like woman's intuition. But what's it like to be just a guy's guy and have these abilities? Uh, well, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me on. That's really sweet of you. And um, and I love talking about guys' psychic stuff because guys suck at this. They they it's so odd, you know. I think they attribute it to being sort of feminine, you know, like you said, women's in intuition and all that kind of stuff. And most of the time, unless you know, unless you can hunt it or have sex with it, guys just don't know how to deal with it. And so <laughs> it's it's confusing, you know, to have these feelings about stuff and. Most of the time when I'm dealing with somebody, uh, the guys are just, oh, that's just, that's just a bunch of hooey. But then privately, they're like, well, by the way, I, I think I saw my grandfather, you know, he was standing over, but I'm not sure. I think I might be crazy. I think they'd rather think that they were crazy than to think that they have any kind of intuition. But you know what's so funny about it is that guys use it all the time. They use it in sports. They have, they call it instincts or they call it other things, but it's really just kind of trusting that little voice inside you to do this or to do that, take this, move here, move there, trust this. That, and they and coaches use it. You know, they have a gut feeling about this. They have a gut feeling about that. Where the hell do you think that comes from? It's not exactly. It, it's it comes from something, and and I think I think guys use it a lot more than they think they do. I think it's a lot more natural. Than, than they think it is. But I think sometimes they just attribute it to like witches sitting around in a cauldron and, and putting spells on people, which, yeah, you know, they do. But it's not, that doesn't happen all the time. And it's kind of a natural thing. And I, I love talking to guys about it because, I, first of all, I like to argue with people. It, it's just <laughs> fun for me. And, um, and if they, you know, if they come at me with, oh, that's just a bunch of crap, then it's, then it's fun for me because I can come at them with all sorts of different you know, facts and figures and photos and interviews and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's fun to see their transition because I think once you kind of make it combative and you, you can have an argument with it, then it kind of opens things up. And, you know, for me, I like communicating sometimes like that. Like when I get together with my friends, they give me a lot of crap for what I do and I give them crap for what they do. But eventually they, they start asking serious questions about it because it's, it's not, um, I'm not a big woo-woo kind of guy. I'm, my my sisters are, and and I love them for it. But you know, they smell like patchouli. They have a different way of communicating. But with guys, it's it's they just kind of want the basic meat and potatoes of the whole thing. Like, can it get can it help with my job? Can you tell me if my girlfriend's cheating on me? You know, basic stuff. And once you kind of have those conversations, it, you know, they're I think they're a lot more open to it once you kind of go there. But yeah. at first, I think they just, they, they don't know what to think of it. Um, well, I think a lot of men tamp it down or are even trained in their families to tamp it down. Whereas yeah. you never had that choice. No. Well, my dad, my dad was like this 
my, my dad was a, he was an animal. He was, um, he was like six, six and like two fifty, And he was a boxer guy, you know, and he was a lawyer psychologist guy, you know, really strong in all levels. And, you know, didn't, was a very, um, you know, if you wore a hat in a restaurant, the guy would have a heart attack and very kind of traditional kind of male kind of guy. And, and in my fa- in my family, you didn't show fear as a, as a uh, male. You just didn't, it, it, it was like a bad thing. And so, when all this stuff was happening in our house, we, you know, cause we had a lot of weird stuff happen in the house. He just couldn't deal with it. He just, he had a really hard time with it. And I think that's why my mom got so into it because it was one area that he just couldn't deal with and, and she could. And um, so she, <laughs> she ramped it up and he, he didn't know what to think of it until, until like later on, I was, you know, a few years, well, like 10 years or so, after I was doing this stuff and I was starting to get uh, recognized for some of the stuff that I was doing, I was a kid and there weren't a lot, a whole lot of psychics back then. So I was getting some publicity and, and he was starting to recognize the value of it as far as business. I was working for these big business people uh, in Minneapolis. They would sneak me up the back stairs and we would go through what I thought was going to work, what stocks were going to work with, you know, investments, all that kind of stuff. And it was, and it was really fun. He had heard about that because I, it came out in a magazine about me doing that kind of stuff. And so he started to perk up. He started to think, well, maybe there is something to this. But only after he saw that there was something maybe legitimate other than just dancing naked in the daffodils kind of thing. If there was something solid behind it, then maybe there was some value to it. And he actually ended up coming with me to a couple of shows that I was doing, you know, speaking and stuff like that. And other than that, he he just, he hated it. but until he saw like that it was actually paying off on some level. Then he was all in. Then he was all in. Yeah. So you've got this mom who's psychic. You've got two sisters who are psychic. Your brother, he's not into this, right? No, he kind of went the other way. He went to the dark side. (laughs) Um, He's a reborn Christian, but that's not a bad thing. Um, (laughs) He just went, well, okay. So he has the abilities, you know, he has all the stuff. It's just that it's he's not comfortable with it. He doesn't he just doesn't like it. He doesn't Yeah. He doesn't I think like for it. some yeah. people if it doesn't fit into their safe paradigm of what they were taught, yeah. then they just kind of dismiss it. My former father-in-law told me that if I keep doing this work, I won't get my ticket to heaven punched. Oh really? That's yeah, funny. I know. Um, okay, can, so here's can you imagine some guy up there. No, yeah, I sorry. think he, he thinks like Peter's at the gate, and yeah. you know, I'm gonna be cast out with the adulterers and dogs because I'm. Oh doing- my god! Yeah. Anyway, so this is my like favorite quote from from one of your books. In my mind, being psychic is one of the lesser gifts being handed out. Like if Santa dug around his empty bag and pulled out a used comb, that's what it feels like for me to be psychic. <laughs> Well, that's true. Think about it. It's a stupid job. I mean, it's, there's no dental for one thing you get. There's no, like, there's no bonus. People talk about when they go to a psych, oh yeah, I went to a psychic. It kind of sounds like a psycho. It's pretty close to psycho. And it's, it's a dumb job. It's just a dumb job. I think it's a dumb job. It's weird. And I feel like you start fresh with every reading, which is a lot of careers. Yeah. You have to, if you suck on one reading, they tell everybody. Yeah. I mean, they, but if you're good at it, it's like, oh, that was interesting. How'd you guess that? Or maybe you looked it up on the internet or blah, blah, blah. But if you suck, it's like, oh, you're just terrible. 
And, you know, I don't advertise and I don't, well, except for stuff like this, but I don't, um, it's all word of mouth. And every time I get, every time I do a reading, I get nervous because I think, oh God, what if, what if I, you know, get really bad information or what if I don't get anything, you know, and cause it's going to be the one time that it's going to be important. And every time. And so when a normal person goes to work, they can screw off. They can work maybe 10 minutes of the day and then watch videos or do something else or, and not that people do that, but you know, they have breaks and right. there's no, there's no such thing when you do psychic stuff. You, cause even when you're not working, you can feel people still, you know, you can, you can feel their vibes. You can feel the world, you know, when there's a big weird stuff going on, you can feel all that. It just never stops. And when you go to sleep, like I wake up a lot with dead guys standing over me wanting to chat. That gets annoying after a while, but it's, it comes with the, the job. It just comes with what you do. And so it's always there. And so that's why I think it's kind of a dumb job because it's not like, it's not like, even if I do something normal and people ask me what I do, I'd rather tell them that I'm a waiter or something else because I just don't want to get into it because people have such a reaction. They either love it and then they want to talk your brains off about it or all of a sudden they start crossing themselves and they just, they don't want to talk to you at all. And it's not can, like a normal job. You can job. watch them slap the label weirdo <coughs> on you. The yeah, minute absolutely. You, I know. I hate that. Denise and I talk about that a lot. It's Denise uncomfortable. Will say she's a consultant or I'll say I do yeah. writing just to avoid it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And then somebody will say something. I, I love to golf. I just love it. And it just, it's relaxing. And most of the time people leave me alone there. And most of the time uh, I don't, well, I don't tell people what I do, but somebody will find out somehow or another and, and then it'll get around. And I've had people come up to me that were playing in other foursomes and, and want to ask me questions, guys, um, about <laughs> business stuff and or relationship stuff. And it's so weird when, when you think you, you're, you get, you're kind of away from it and then it's brought back. It's, if I could not be a psychic for a week, I, I think I would like that <laughs> just because I wouldn't be people somehow just find out stuff and they just, boy, they just, they, they want to know as much as they can. Yeah. And I think that can be such a drain. I have, I have two friends who are more like your brother, you know, wondering about this religious side of this. And I actually love having them as friends because they never want a reading from me. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, they think you're the Antichrist. And so, yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's true. It's, um, yeah, and the people that I golf with, they they never ask me psychic questions because they don't, you know, they're, it's like, geez, you know, they don't necessarily want to know. And I've known them for years and years. And I tend to be sarcastic sometimes when I do, when people ask me questions or when they, you know, they give me crap. A lot of times people like to, you know, oh, you're a psychic. What did I have for lunch? You know, that kind of stuff. And then I'll always come back with, geez, I don't know, but you should get a blood test and then walk away, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to shut them up because I don't want to hear about it. I don't know. It, uh, you know, it doesn't, you got a pet. Well, you had a pet, well, you, you know, or plant some stupid seed in their head about their wife or something. Right. Right. Uh, just to kind of keep them quiet. And, um, so they don't, you know, these guys don't, and I've done it enough with the people that know me that they just don't even bother asking me anything anymore. Cause I think it's kind of a big deal when people ask me questions when they're serious and I do take it seriously. I try not to, but I do. And so when people are sarcastically asking me questions, then it, it gives me license to answer 
sarcastically back. That's, I guess, my point of all that. I don't always answer sarcastically back, but <laughs> I think when no. people take it not not seriously, then I don't have to take the answer seriously. Right, right. It's a it's a tricky balance. When you were growing <laughs> up, your mom took you to all these cool. I guess you could call them psychic camps. Yeah, what a dumb thing. So I used to go to football camps and I used to go to basketball camps because I love playing sports. I loved it. But then because I'm the youngest, my mom, and my mom was so into this stuff. She was so into this stuff. And she would hear about these. But like I said, back then, there weren't a lot of psychics. So everybody, and when and psychics were considered like mentally ill, you know, they, they weren't considered a good thing. And so they would have to meet in these private places. All I, I live in Minneapolis and and a lot of them were, some of them were Wisconsin or Michigan or, you know, South Dakota. They were kind of spread out all over the place. And they were kind of these places where each camp, I don't think she called them a camp. Well, whatever. Each gathering, there was a certain theme. Like um, one theme would be about nature spirits or nature, the wonders of, you know, the stuff around, you know, fairies and um, just nature stuff. Um, or then there's magical things or psychic reading camps, you know, where you would learn how to develop your psychic stuff and stronger. Or, and then there was this, there was this one in Michigan that was just so bizarre. It was about that. There's another world out there that a lot of people don't know about that. This world has all many layers to it and many different things. And, and one of the things that they had at this place was, they had a family of vampires. And so my mom didn't tell me about this. She just said, we got to go. And I used to hate going to these places because I, I, I didn't like the psychic stuff. I really didn't. It just was, it was weird. And, but, you know, I love my mom and I was the youngest. And so she would just throw me in the car and we would end up going to these places. And most of the time it was okay, but I, you know, I always got in trouble because of my mouth. I would always say something sarcastic or give people crap or whatever. And because I didn't know if it was real. I didn't know if it, I didn't know how legitimate it was. And so I was testing people all the time. And um, do you think they it, were real vampires? Oh my God, you should have seen these people. I've never seen anything like that. I still haven't. Okay, so I walk in, I, we drive and drive and drive. And my mom goes, okay, look, this one's going to be a little different because this is this is about the wonders of life. And she starts explaining. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm rolling my eyes and I'm thinking, whatever, mom. But she goes, okay, now look, you got to just behave. You can't say anything. Don't yell. Just shut up and, and just for once, just observe. And I thought, well, okay. Because her tone was different. And so we get to this place and, and they're talking. There's other things going on, but they're talking um, about this family. And they didn't come out and say, they call them something else. I don't know what that, but they basically uh, were describing this family that were like 400 years old. They were really old and that they were, I forget the name, what they were called, but it was basically a vampire, vampire family. And when I looked, they were up on stage and there was these, it was a family of four and a, a mom, a dad, a daughter, and a son. And they, the, the everybody, was very still and very quiet and there was an interviewer talking to this the father and I, these people looked like nothing i'd ever seen i mean I, you know I, like i say i was a skeptic i i didn't really i thought 
some of the stuff that I seen was kind of stupid and some of it was over the top, but this was like, I mean, when you looked at these people, first of all, they had skin, like one of those spring rolls, you know, that like white, clear, just the weirdest skin. And they, their eyes, their eyes were just, they're, they're, it was like they were vacant, but they were there. And, and it wasn't like they had makeup on. They just. Like translucent they, skin? Oh, my God. Yeah. It was just the weirdest thing. Wow. And sorry, my dog is barking. Well, when the guy talked, he talked very quietly, very, very seriously. He talked about that there's a lot of, there's, there's people like him around that there's uh that they know uh, other families that they they know of other groups they don't suck their blood they don't he said well he said very rare do but mostly they live off the energy of other people but the way he was talking was like when he would look at you he would look right through you and the the family they just had this vibe like i've never i can't even describe it it was I, I believed for the first time that this was legit. I thought, holy crap, these people are real. And it, that, that was the whole thing about it. What it they weren't there to um, hurt us. They weren't there to, to do anything negative. They just, they were there to explain that there's a lot of other things in this world that we don't know about. There's a lot of magic, a lot of different things. And that we were to open our minds to the possibilities of these things. And I just remember being so amazed at their presence because they're even you know psychic I, you know i knew some stuff psychically but i didn't i wasn't uh, you know i had a lot to learn but i i could tell even at that that there was something really different about their energy they didn't have the same kind of they felt old they felt really old they felt like like they know they like they knew a lot of stuff and uh, they knew, they looked at us like like we were cattle and oh. it was did they say how many were throughout the world um they just said many they just said there was many people like them he said they didn't the other three didn't say anything they just looked you know i swear they had you know they looked at me like i was a steak and there was something interesting about that it, it's like kind of looking at a, a, a lion you know the, the power of them and being kind of in awe of that power and feeling a little protected because they promised that they weren't there to hurt us or, or anything like that. But you can, I could see where they could be mesmerizing where they could like just talking to them for five minutes. You could just kind of, you know, drift off because they were just so, there was something about their eyes. And for me, that was the most interesting camp that I had ever gone to because it affected me. I mean, there was other camps that we went to that were, pretty interesting and pretty fascinating stuff. One place, this guy drew a picture of my guardian angel. And then another time um, they had fairies and, and all sorts of different stuff. But this was so bizarre to me because I couldn't, I couldn't just dismiss it as swamp gas, which I did most of the time with everything. I just, just like dismissed it like, ah, yeah, that's crap. But these guys were like legit. It took me a long time to just get that out of my head. And I couldn't explain it to my friends because, you know, nobody would believe me. But everybody that was there, you just knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I, I didn't run across anybody. And I was really skeptical. I, everybody just kind of was just quiet. It was like, wow, that's, <laughs> this is pretty wild. Wow. 
Tell us who is Jerry from your childhood. So Jerry is the guy that this guy drew a picture of. So I one of my one of these camps, and this guy comes up to me and he says, "Hey, I want to draw a picture for you. Uh, I want you to come. I want to draw a picture." And automatically, I thought perv. You know, I thought great. I'm, my mom's bringing me to a perv camp because this guy was just kind of eyeballing me, just giving me this weird look, and I wasn't interested. But he kept insisting that he. Um, he wanted to uh, draw something for me. And my mom, who, like I said, was really into it, she was like, okay with it. And I thought, obviously, she lost her senses. Obviously, this guy wants to molest me. And, and so I wasn't into it. But eventually I, really, I, eventually, I relented and I went and this guy had drawn a picture of who he thought was my guarding angel, this kid who was approximately my age. It was, I think it was like around 10 or 11 then. I'm not sure. He was a kid that was growing up with me on the other side. His name was Jerry. And it was a chalk drawing. We, uh, and so I, br- I brought it home with me and uh, I, I put it up in my wall. He became actually sort of a friend of mine. Um, we be- I started to hear him speak. I could, I could hear him talk. Um, not only me. I mean, other people can get to hear him too. <laughs> he started becoming, we started becoming friends. And at first it was, um, it was really helpful because he was like helping me with people and, and helping me understand what a person was thinking and feeling or, or like girls, you know, he was helping me with girls. He was helping me at school. He's giving me answers on tests and stuff like that. And we just, we hung out for a long time. And, and then I started kind of getting into trouble more. I started drinking. I started using drugs, which made sense at the time because of all the psychic stuff, you know, you got to do something. And, and I was hanging around a bunch of crazy, everybody in my family was kind of going a little nutty. And, and as I was doing that, Jerry started kind of going along with it and he was liking it because he could feel, he could feel it too. And then he would start kind of jumping inside of me from time to time. And long story short, it, it turned into a really bad relationship. Um, for both of us. Um, eventually I went through treatment and I, uh, a couple times actually, and I, uh, I did sober up and, um, but he, he liked that lifestyle. He liked that feeling and he liked the whole dark side. And uh, he, he ended up, one of my teachers, this lady named Bertie actually helped me exercise him out of my life because it, it was getting way out of control. The stuff that he was doing, he was starting to show up at other friends of mine's places and scaring them. And he, you know, it, it was starting to get pretty bad, but um, for a long time there, we were great friends. That's how um, it starts. So with Jerry, <laughs> that reminds me of another question I had for you because your family experienced so much poltergeist and psychic phenomenon when you were growing up. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that like houses are haunted or people are haunted or both. Well, that's a good question. Okay. So I've done, I don't even know. 2000 ghost bustings done a lot. And it's sometimes the people are the ones that are haunted. And sometimes it's the house. Um, I do a lot of exorcisms too. And it's really just the ghost busting except with a person, you know, it's just, they have a person inside of them, but the house stuff, you know, I get, I get a lot of places that it doesn't matter who's living there. They just, the, 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 how the spirit likes the house. Maybe they spent some time in there when they were alive, but it, it's, it's generally about the person. Like mo- most of the jobs that I do, it's because the person, the people in the house are doing some reconstruction and spirit doesn't 
the spirits that are there, maybe they're quiet, but when they see the reconstruction, it, it kind of drives them nuts and makes them crazy. They don't like it. They like, they like the way it is. Do you think it's also a combination and, of the emotion that the family brings? Like, for example, there's a house in our neighborhood that has had a haunting phenomenon. The first family that lived there, they were born again Christians. He was a retired pastor. They didn't have any phenomenon. The second family that moved in had moved here because they had just lost a very close family member and needed a fresh start. And they had a lot of phenomenon. So I always wondered, did that grief kind of open a door or just the emotional discord going on in the family with the grief? Did it allow this phenomenon to appear? It's a good question too. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. So, you know, like with people that have that psychic ability, um, they, the old timers used to call it the shining or the shine. And the reason for that is because when you have that, it, it's, there's a light, a little light around it. It doesn't mean you're better or worse than anybody. It just means that you have this kind of light. Some people are really good with, you know, art and math, or they're just good at organizing stuff, or they're just, they're just good at certain things. And then there's other people that just have this kind of natural psychic ability. And sometimes it doesn't mean that they have to develop it. It just means that it would be easier for them to develop it than others. And so on all the ghost blessings that I do, one or more of the people in the house have that shining and spirit is attracted to that. And if they also are going through an emotional thing and they're kind of opened up, especially when somebody dies, it does tend to bring in more spirit than just your average Joe. A lot of families don't have the shining, so or somebody in there that has the shine, so it doesn't. Spirits just kind of go by them. They get lonely. They get especially earthbound spirits. They get lonely and they get bored, and um, and they need they need attention. And when uh, and so sometimes it's just a matter of, of that, but other times it's it's about what the person's going through. I the house that I live in. I've been here for thirty three years. The guy was a pastor too, and he died in the house. And <laughs> I loved it right away just because of that. It felt like home, you know, it just, it just felt like um, nobody and nobody wanted it because it was all run down and it had a skeleton key and all that stuff. But I could still see the guy here. Yeah, I loved it because of it. It's a spooky looking house. You teach people how to help. Ghostbusters? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But I, I used to do a lot of Ghostbusters and I can't stand them because they, they just, they drive me crazy. But and, and so I wanted to teach people how to do it without it being so dramatic. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It's very simple. You just There's three parts to a ghost busting. You go in and you talk to the family. You find out what they've experienced. You go through the house, uh, see what you experience, and then you, you come up with a game plan and you get rid of whatever's there, if there is anything there. Some of the people that were going were just making it way worse, and they were freaking the people out, and... So I decided to kind of just do these classes. So I, for, actually, because I'm kind of selfish too, and I figured if somebody <laughs> learned how to do this right, then I wouldn't have to do it. So I started doing these classes kind of a long time ago. And the main thing about class is to get over the fear of ghosts. And so I put them, I, would, I do these classes in like really haunted houses and I just aggravate the hell out of the ghosts. So they make noises and they... They appear and they do smells and they do all sorts of stuff just because they're pissed off. And um, it works. I mean, it's not, I haven't had a class where everybody stayed 
the entire it's a two-day course and i i don't i think well i think i had one class that actually everybody stayed but usually people leave because it freaks them out but that's good because you want to kind of weed out the people that it freaks out but yes i do teach classes it's kind of like a ghostbusting class on on steroids you have to want to do it yeah i know and who wants to do that I right. know I don't. Right. I know it's I don't I don't particularly enjoy it either because I no, feel like a, a lot it, of the yeah. people who have hauntings are going through so much emotional stuff in their own life you end up being more of a counselor than Exactly. You, That's what it is. It's yeah. just counseling. Yeah, you you're absolutely right. That's all it is. And it's not, you know, at first there's this dramatic, you know, they try to scare you, they try and do that. But after all that's done and after you've established look you're not going anywhere, it's really about them going someplace. Then it all changes and you're right. It turns into this counseling session. And that's the problem is that it can go on for a long time if there's a lot of spirit, you know? Yeah. Um, or if, and the, I don't, if the person wants the ghost. I've gone to so many homes where they think it's cool. And yeah, they, they keep it like a pet. It, yeah. And they don't they don't want to let the ghost go and then and then I'm out. Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing too, is if they do that, they have to they actually have to help me get that person out because if they have a relationship or it's even worse if they're having a relationship with a ghost like if they're having a sexual relationship with a ghost it's impossible there's just nothing you can do unless they agree to get rid of ghosts that they that it's time for the ghost to go so you had a case of oh. people are actually oh, mo- okay yeah it happens a lot um for women uh, it's different yeah no that happens a lot um well that's not it, a succubus situation that's just an actual normal <laughs> human ghost it could, it could be a succubus but, yeah i love that word succubus um <laughs> uh yeah uh, okay so okay so the first time so i was used to it with women and i could even kind of understand it they, it started off sort of like a dream they knew that there was somebody there and then it just kind of filled a void for them and and they gave permission for the spirit to be kind of intimate with them and you know they started having these relationships and and i you know i could understand it and i i had run into it a few times so it wasn't like that big of a shock but the first time i ran into it with a guy i didn't i didn't believe it i i thought the guy was full of crap but we went to this place. this guy had he was from uh, northern minnesota from a small town he was a strapping buck big guy 64 you know handsome lumberjack kind of guy but real quiet and he got he got a job in the cities he didn't know anybody and uh like i say very shy almost painfully shy one of those painfully shy guys um nice guy but he was renting a room from this lady who was complaining because they were having the he was having loud fights with somebody in the apartment and he thought it was she she thought it was an actual person but it turned out that it was a spirit guy there's not spirit guy this woman spirit and he can she confronted this guy and he didn't know what to say he was really embarrassed this went on for a while and finally she called me and said look i I think there's something going on here would you please go in so i went there with my sister (laughs) and he you know he's he's being very vague about the whole thing he's like well you know i don't believe in all this spirit stuff and and which was great with me because i was thinking great we can get in we can get out let's go you could tell that there was somebody there there was a female there as we started talking he finally starts to admit that yes he does have a female friend there and and it was the way he was talking was like okay what it it sounded just like there was something more going on so then finally he admits yeah that this female friend of his 
they have become very close and which was okay. You know, everything was okay so far. Um, and then he said, well, you know, we had become intimate and I was trying to figure out the logistics of that, how that works, but I was, you know, I was okay with it. But then he said that when he met this woman in the apartment and at first he was kind of scared because he had never seen anything like that. But then she started talking to him really kindly and being really reassuring. And, and after about a month or two, they started talking a lot. And he was looking for, when he came home from work, that she was really the only one that he could talk to. And so they developed this relationship. And over about six, maybe three to six months, they started to get close. And then he noticed that he could feel her body. And, and he described it as being sexual with her. But again, I don't know the logistics of all that. He just he just expressed that it was it, it turned into more of an intimate sexual kind of thing. But he said he was starting to feel so good about himself now that he decided, well, maybe maybe I could date somebody with skin, you know. So he started to reach Imagine out. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, and um, and then that's when the trouble came. Was that when he brought some he brought a girl home? This lady, I forget her name. It was like Lucy or something like that. Um, got really upset and attacked him physically. Physically attacked him. And that's when all the trouble started. And I, you know, I, I was up, to, I was following to a point, and then I was like, okay, wait a second, she attacked you. What do you mean she attacked you? And he said, well, you know, she, she would hit me and 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 scratch me, and and you know, I just we we got it got pretty bad. And so now I'm thinking, yeah, whatever, dude. What's the deal? When I ghostbust, I don't charge. I, I take contributions, yeah, but or donations or whatever, but I don't charge. So it wasn't like we were there to make money. Uh, we were just there to kind of help this lady out, this landlord lady. And, and I, you know, I, I didn't know that I was believing him up to this point. But then when he said that, I was like, oh, come on, dude. Whatever the deal is, are you trying to get some money off the rent? What, really, what's the, what's the deal here? And, and when I started kind of getting a little bit more bugged, asking him things, he said that suddenly now this lady, this Lucy lady was there. And she was getting mad at me and, you know, she's going to come and kind of come after me and that I needed to stop. And, and when, when they do stuff like that, it's like, yeah, whatever. So then I started getting even worse because I'm kind of a jerk and the energy started changing the room. And then he goes, you guys got to leave. You guys got to leave. She's really mad. She's really mad at you. And I couldn't see her. I could feel her, but I couldn't see her, which is weird because I normally do see him. And he goes up into the kitchen. He goes, you got to go. You got to go. And so I go into the kitchen and I go, where? where is this woman? I, I don't see her. And he throws himself up against the, the refrigerator when it looked like he was throwing himself up. And I'm thinking, oh, come on, performance artist, performance artist. And then he starts moving his head back and forth like he's being slapped. And I'm going, oh, come on, seriously. What, what is it? You just, you, what, do you, what do you want? And, and he goes, ouch. And he grabs his chest. I go, dude, what is going on with you? And all of a sudden, I can see on his face handprints, like somebody had slapped him. Like you can see fingerprints on his face. And he moved his hand, and I could see scratching on his chest. And then I thought, holy crap, this is really real. And then he gets picked up. This, he, this woman came and picked him up. He was on his tippy toes. And this is a big guy. And wow. And so once that happened, I thought, oh, shit, I got to, you know, I got I to gotta, I gotta do this. So, um, but, but Echo was freaking out. The landlady was freaking out before that. And uh, then when this happened, it got, it got really bad. But, 
that was the first time I actually seen it with a guy. Um, How did you fix then, it? How did you get her to leave him alone? Oh, well, then, you know, then, like you say, it's just becoming a counseling, counseling center. Then I have to kind of I have to find out from him if he's if he wants her to go. And if he does. And at that point, he did because, you know, he was pretty upset. And then it just becomes a matter of talking to her. And con- him owning con- his own power. Right. That's what I always right. tell people. Like, you've got to own your own energy. Right. And then, you know, it becomes a drag. It took like two hours after all that because. Then, like you say, you gotta. They have to understand that what they bring to the table, their power, that they have the ability, and blah blah blah. So that um, wasn't demonic. That but was with her. It was a little tougher because you no know, demonic stuff, demon stuff. You know, that's so over me. I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of d- demon demonic stuff because I'm. I don't. I think there's real jerky people. I think there's some real creepy people. But demonic stuff, they. They, you know, there's there's sort of a rule. You they can't necessarily cross over. A lot of I've had a lot of negative spirits come at me and and claim to be the devil and claim to you know the you know, walls are bleeding and all sorts of stuff, heavy stuff like that. But um, I, I you know I don't run into the the demon stuff. Um, they're just evil. I, I yeah, they're just yeah. jerks, and and they're loud and they're they smell and they they make a lot of noise and they try and scare you, but. But once once you establish that that's not going to happen and that you're there to get for a reason, then it then it changes. And with this lady, I actually had to bring one of her relatives down to help her cross over because it was she was pretty um, scared to go the other side. But that but that was the first time uh, I'd, I'd seen it with a guy. Um, I, I like I said, since then I've had that happen a few times. But it, it you know it's it turned it's a little. It's not as clean as a normal ghost busting because it, it crosses over into you know intimate things and issues with with all of that. It's a more yeah. it's a big pain. When, yeah, it's a deeper energetic cord. I would yeah, love who to, wants ask, to do that. No, I know. I want to ask you about this whole world of psychics and mediums. I've heard you talk about how you feel it's changing. I think it's changing too. I mean, if you look at the turn of the century, we had mediums who were, you know, spewing ectoplasm or doing, uh, <laughs> you know, voice mediumship. And now it seems so different. And um, I don't want to say more popular. But what do you think about all these changes we're seeing in this woo-woo world? So when I was a kid and I was learning about all this stuff, the teachers back then said, look, this you have to be aware that the psychic stuff is going to become very popular and there's going to be a lot of psychics and they're going to do a lot of things. And, but it's also not necessarily a good thing because people are going to be exposed. Some people are going to be exposed as charlatans and liars and and it's going to force the psychic community to go back underground again. And, um, and I didn't think it was going to actually happen in my lifetime because it, back then, like I said, there wasn't very many psychics. But it seems like there's more and more people doing stuff. There's also more and more people getting caught uh, lying and cheating about this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, mediums doing, um, you know, some of the famous ones doing um, background checks and getting information from the internet and all that kind of stuff. Um, that seems to be happening more and more. And so it's kind of, it's making me a little nervous uh, just because there's a lot of people with a lot of really good abilities. And I, I like the fact that people are more okay with it, but because there's more people okay with it, there's more activity because more people are practicing it. So the energy is more. And I worry about that day when, when psychics will have to go 
um, underground again. But for now, you know, that, when I wrote my second book, it was really basically because of that. Because when I talk to other psychics, you know, I'm a big believer in that if I'm not the one to give you a reading, there's somebody else that is. Because I'm not for everybody. And I, the way I talk doesn't necessarily work with some people. And, but the way that other people talk does. People care more. And so I believe in sharing psychics. I believe in that I may suck, but somebody else may be really good. And I think it's all about the message. I don't think it's about the psychic. But a lot of psychics believe it's about them and how they are and how they perceive in there, how big their third eye is. And that to me seems young. That seems kind of like they're just young souls trying to figure stuff out. I, and I get all that, but I, I have a problem with, I think being a psychic is a tough job. And I think psychics are supposed to support each other. I think it'd be great if you could walk in and you could talk to other psychics about, you know, some, you know, the stuff that goes on with some of the people you deal with and blah, 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 and not have to worry about whether this person's more psychic than that person or blah, blah, blah. I, I think it would be nice if there was more of a sense of support system as opposed to this combative, like, you know. Competitive. House. Yeah, competitive. I mean, because there's a lot of competitive psychics out there. And there's a lot of psychics that don't, that talk crap about other psychics. And I don't, I don't like that aspect of it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me as far as the spiritual stuff. Because I, I really believe that, like, I think there's a ton of psychics that are better than me because they care. They actually care. I know I don't. So my delivery comes across like that sometimes. I'm just, I'm to the point, I just want to get the information out and hopefully it makes sense. But there's a lot of people that, that can make things sound so much better than, than I can. Well, I don't think it's that you don't care. I think it's that you don't play into, you're just about the facts. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah. And um, I know that it's coming got, up for you in the future. If you want to take the risks and embrace right. it, it's yours. If not, you know, so you're right. just, it's, you're yeah, no, I don't, uh, yeah, I have no judgments about people, but, and uh, you know, when I've done gotten readings from people, I like it when people are right to the point and they, they express the, the options and, and I can choose to take them or not. And if the, if I don't, then the, these are the consequences and blah, 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 blah. And that's just my style. And like I say, I'm not for everybody. It's, it's a tough job. It's a really tough job. And, you know, we got to be there for each other. We got we to gotta be more understanding about some of the stuff. And I know we all have our own filters. Some, some psychics don't like gay people, you know, they, they, or they don't like heavy people or they don't like... You know, they have their own filter. And that seems to be a shame because it seems like if you're going to be a psychic, you should, you, you can't come with any judgments of, of anything. You know, the first time, okay, so this is going to sound a little strange, but it was. I, when I was a kid, um, when I was younger, I, I was learning, you know, you learn all the time about psychic stuff. I'm still learning a ton of stuff. And one of the things I was learning was not to judge people. And this lady came to my house to, for a reading and she was a professional woman, career woman. And very sharply dressed, strong woman. And we were talking and I just kept getting this picture of this great Dane. That's all I kept getting a picture of. And so finally I go, okay, what's the deal with the dog? And normally when I do readings, I'm not supposed to ask questions. I'm supposed to know the, the answer to things I'm not supposed to ask. But it was just like, they weren't saying anything. They were just showing me a picture of this dog. And this lady just starts crying. And then they start showing me pictures of how close she was to the dog. And it was like, you know, this lady's, there's something going on here with the dog. And so I say, so 
okay, they want to talk to you about the dog. And then she really got sad. She was having a relationship with the dog. It was really hard for her. But the thing that was amazing to me was like, I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, holy crap, I've never even thought of something like this. How do you do that? And it was really helpful for me because her spirit guides were very sweet, very loving. And, and it wasn't about what I thought of the situation. It was what, how I could help her get through that and how they could help her get through that. And it was really helpful for me not from that point on to learn not to judge anybody for whatever they're going through. That it was really about, you know, we're all here to learn and we're all here to, to get lessons and, and to grow. And since that time, I learned you just can't judge anybody for whatever they're going through. And, no, you but really that w- can't. And a lot of times when psychics give readings, the information, the messages get filtered through their judgments. Exactly. And yeah, and we all have them. And I know I'm guilty of it too. I can be kind of a jerk when I say certain things bug me, but I let them know that it's because of my filter, not because of what they're doing. But yeah, that, and that happens a lot. And, and I know a few psychics that are real, they're, they're mean. They're just so mean to the people because they don't like their physical look or, uh, or they don't like their business things. And, and they can be really mean and, and, and make the people cry. I think some psychics use fear and negative messages as a tactic to get them to come back. And I think that's so unethical and bad, obviously. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, can you imagine a karma for that? No. Yeah. And like, I was taught that you can't, when you're talking to somebody, you can't hint or suggest or imply that they need a reading. Like it, it has to be organic. They have to want to come and all that. Cust- you, like you can't say to somebody, gee, I see something really great coming up for you, but ooh, I got to go. You know, you can't do something like that or, or suggest something in some way. You have to be very careful about how you there's so many rules in this job that that i think a lot of psychics just don't care about you know i'm not exactly mr boundary i i you know i i'll say some odd things there are certain things you just can't do and like you just said one of them is is people keeping people in i i I know lady in florida um i do readings for this lady and she was going she was another psychic was talking to her and she told the psychic told her that she has cancer so she calls me up and says, do I have cancer? And I didn't think she had cancer. And so I said, no, you don't have cancer. But this other psychic was like, no, you have cancer. And so she goes and she gets all these tests and it looks a little scary, but I kept, I was convinced that she didn't have cancer. And this other lady was convinced that she did. She finds out she didn't have cancer, which was great. But this other psychic kept saying, well, no, you're going to get cancer. You're going to get cancer. And okay. um, this lady actually paid her off to just leave her alone. She said, if I pay you a thousand dollars to leave me alone with you. And she said, yeah. That's a terrible thing to do. That's that's evil. It really is. It to is. People that way. It is. Well, one thing I appreciate about your work is that you're really honest. I think a lot of spiritual people in this field kind of act as though they've got it all together. And I, I know even in my own life, <laughs> my sisters have said to me, if they've witnessed my road rage, aren't you supposed to be spiritual? Know, me too. Oh, and I'm like, yes, but spiritual people can yeah, get angry. I know, me too. And you write in your book that you've dealt yeah. with depression <laughs> and anxiety and guilt and that you're still seeking mm-hmm. answers. And I, I like that you don't pretend to know it all. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people. Oh, well, you know, us. as you get into this. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we don't. The, the, the more fine, you, It seems like the more you learn, yeah, yes. the less you know. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and so- I got, and so when people call themselves masters or that kind of stuff, I just, it gives me a little chuckle inside because it's, because there's been times when I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. When I was a kid, I just thought I was great. And I was getting these um, articles written about me and people were talking, you know, I'm doing all these celebrities. And I'm just thinking I'm great. And then I'm doing this radio show for um, this a local radio show, but it's, it goes all, you know, it's a big radio show. And, and they're asking me to do readings and I'm going, yeah, of course I'll do readings, you know, cause I really thought I was it and everything is going great. And then this guy, the host says, Hey, could you give me a reading? And I'm like, duh, of course I can give you. <laughs> so he asked me, so, okay, tell me about, um, tell me about my job. And I said, well, geez, you know, you're, uh, I think you're struggling here a little bit. Start going rambling on about how, you know, they're not sure if they want to keep them and this and that. And he interrupts me and goes, wait, 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 wait. I just got employee of the month. Okay. How about this? Um, how about my kids? And I'm like, okay. And I didn't even ask him about it because I was so cocky. I was just like, yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Your daughters. And I'm going on and on and on. And he says, okay. Um, well, I don't have daughters. I have sons and oh. um, they really like me a lot. And cause I was saying, yeah, your daughters are really struggling with you. They don't know. It was everything I said to this guy. It was the complete opposite. And it was the same voice that was always telling me other stuff too. So it was like very confusing. And but it was very strong. After you know everything I said to him, everything I mean about his wife, about his everything, he was just and he was trying to be really kind. And he he didn't he hands me twenty bucks at the end and goes, "Dude, you're gonna need this." It was because I was so bad, and it was all over on this huge radio show. I got a call from my instructor, uh, my teacher Bertie, and she said. You had to, they had to bring you down a few notches. And I was like, what? And they said, yeah, you're not going to have your abilities for a while. And I didn't. I couldn't pick up a, a toothpick. I couldn't pick up on anything. I had to go to work at Best Buy. I had no abilities. And it was because I was thinking that I was greater than the message. And I really did. I just thought I, I, thought I was great. But what they took lesson. it. What a hard oh, lesson. It sucked. It really sucked. Yeah, it did. And then finally... One day at Best Buy, I'm working in the appliance section, and this lady wants to buy a refrigerator. All this information comes flying out about this lady, and and it came back, and I was so grateful. And up until that point, I thought it was kind of a curse, but I realized not having it felt like mono, and having it feels like stereo. And even if I don't use it, at least it felt better than to not have it. And so now, if people say that I'm 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 accurate or, or if they think that I, they, they consider me really good, it freaks me out. It freaks me out. I just don't want to hear it. It's now it's more about not being wrong than it is about being right. If I'm right, it's, it's a relief, but if I'm more worried about being wrong and I'm still wrong, you know, I, I'm still wrong. That's yeah, everyone. It does make sense. I mean, the best of the best psychics I think have tested at like 70 to 75% accuracy. Yeah. You know, and Dean Radin yeah. has done some fantastic studies with psychics, and he has said that when they're not being tested, they tend to be really accurate. But when they're put on the spot, like a radio show, it can mess mm-hmm. with the communication. So I think that all makes sense. And for me, it's humility. Like we have to yeah, work exactly. with yeah, humility. Like we're not, I always tell people I'm just a mailman. Exactly. Yeah. I tell people I'm the water boy. Yeah. Yeah. Just delivering the message. And I wonder if some of those negative psychics 
we were discussing before, I wonder if they're lying to themselves. Maybe the ego has shut it down and they're still trying to do this work rather than taking an ethical break until it comes back. Right. I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I, I get into these, I like to argue. I shouldn't say I like, but I don't mind confrontation. And I, I tend to get in these arguments with these people and I don't understand. The first rule to me is humility. Like you said, it's not about us. It's about the message and, and being, being gifted or having the ability to, to listen to what they're saying. And I don't understand why they don't understand that. I've called up a few psychics and yelled at them about stuff just because I think it's stupid what they're doing or it's wrong. Um, well, and it reflects on all of us. It, it makes us all look bad. Yeah, it does. It makes us all look really bad. Because if I love to hear when somebody says, oh, I went to a psychic and they were really good. That makes me feel better because then I know, okay, whew, they, they didn't make us look bad. Yeah. And even if they and a lot of times, you know, people will come to me and say, they said this and they said that, how come you didn't say this? And, you know, they'll, they'll try and pit me against another psychic and or just to try and get more information. Or they may think that it, it's going to motivate me or something to be better. I, I don't know. But a lot of times people will use other psychics. Oh, I went to a psychic. She was great. She was great. And I'll say, well, why did you go to her? <laughs> why did you come to me? <laughs> um, well, some people become psychic groupies, you know, and they kind of just, have to have different yeah. psychics on call, which is a little uncomfortable, I think. Oh, they do. Yeah. No, I, most of the people I deal with are in the entertainment field and they all got, you know, they all got their psychics on speed dial. Yeah, you and do it's, a lot you know, of readings that, that, for celebrities. I've done a few celebrities and I have said no to the return phone calls because they, it makes me so nervous because I know too much about them going in. And yet oh, yeah. you love it. And I, I think that's fascinating how every every intuitive is different. But tell people why you think reading for celebrities is easier. Because I think it's a cool answer. Well, you know, for my job, for what I do, I, I'm a future guy. And um, I see opportunities coming up for people. I can't find my keys, you know, and I don't know much about past life stuff. And um, I, I'm not a medium. Like if your dead relative showed up, yeah, I'll talk to him. But I really don't. It do, I don't really care about that. Um, I'm a future guy. I, I, that's interesting to me. That's I can tell my judge my accuracy. I can I can see things whether I'm on or off. Blah blah blah. Based on what I'm getting. And so when I see an opportunity for somebody, um, I I want to tell them, and I, I want to see that they're going to take that opportunity. And 98 percent of the normal people that are out there won't take them. The, the, the opportunity will come, but for whatever reason, maybe they're afraid, maybe they don't think they deserve it, maybe they don't want to make the change, but they'll just turn it down. And I, you know, I charge like 300 bucks when I do a reading, and I can't charge somebody 300 bucks to tell them to join a bowling league because really that's what it turns out to be. That's probably the best that they're going to do is they're going to join a bowling league and relax with their friends, and that'll be it. And, you know, that's not a bad thing, it's just that's what they're going to do. But a celebrity, or somebody in the entertainment field, they live for opportunities. They, they, that's their whole gig. And they, if, they, if there's an opportunity that comes, they'll take it. And so for what I do, it just makes more sense because I can, I can judge. I know that they're going to take the opportunity and then I can tell what's going to happen after that and after that. It just works better for what I do. I don't necessarily like 
the people, most of them are disappointing. But there's some, there's some that I absolutely love. And I work with them on a retainer for like a month or maybe two months, sometimes longer. But um, because they're going through a certain situation, like maybe they're uh, working on a film or a series and they're, they're romantically linked to somebody and they're having a hard time letting go of that once the thing wraps or you know, they don't get along with the director or they don't, they don't like this or they don't like, or they're having a hard time getting into the role or they're having a hard time getting out of the role or whatever. Um, but it just, it works better for what I do. And I'm not that deep of a guy, you know, I, I like being shallow. I mean, cause we talked about, we talk about heavy stuff all the time. So I don't mind, I don't mind shallow stuff. <laughs> it bugs my sisters because, you know, they're, they're really deep into everything, but it's a heavy job. And if you do some people that maybe aren't the heaviest people in the world, it's not so bad, you know, <laughs> grounded. I know that does. Yeah. It's just, you know, if they're, I know that sounds terrible, but come on, I don't want to be Gandhi. I just want to tell them the stuff. And some of these people are, you know, they're kind of, they're about as shallow as a wading pool. And, and so they're just easier to tell stuff to. And, and, you know, I don't want to always talk about all the heavy stuff, but you know, it happens anyway. I totally get that. Plus I what, like the, the, that they bring, they have a certain juice to them. What are, are you going to be oh, writing any more books? I have the worst ADD. I, 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 it's hard. To, like if I saw a squirrel when I was talking to you, I'd be gone. So writing books for me is tough because I get so easily distracted. I mean, anything. I don't know how the hell I wrote those books. I, I don't, I don't take any drugs and I probably should because I have a hard time concentrating. So, uh, but they, my, my spirit guides are always talking to me about books because I, I have two grandkids and I want to talk, I want to write a book about ghosts for kids. You know, um, I just got to figure out how to do it, but writing is, is really. Are your kids psychic? Yeah. My kids are both psychic. Yeah. And I, I didn't want them to grow up the same way that I did. So I downplayed the hell out of it. Unfortunately, when my mother would watch them, she would bring out the cards and she would bring out the, the stuff and she would teach them stuff, you know, kind of like on the side. And I would I'd get so pissed. Like, Mom, come on. Yeah, let them be oh. kids, right? But she wanted them to learn. Um, so they picked up a from my mom. Yeah, just, yeah. But um, yeah, and they both, yeah, he's great because he's very matter of fact to so go in and get the job done too. Um, but they still... They see spirits all the time, um, but they were used to them at the house. They see ghosts all the time. Their friends would see ghosts at the house because, you know, it's kind of a part of the job. And um, there was a lady in this blue dress that always would come to the front door and knock. And, and you know, the people <laughs> here would go to the door and they would see her. And then as soon as they opened up the door, she would disappear. And there was always, there was always spirits at the house. And we just kind of, I just treated it like, yeah, it's no big deal. It's just the way it is. And so that's the way they kind of look at it. Like, yeah, it's no big deal. Their kids are starting to see things. And, and uh, I want to be able to explain things to them in a better way than I did with, with my kids. I was so afraid that they were going to be influenced by what I did that I, I just downplayed, downplayed it a lot. Yeah, I do that with my ch with my children too. I just want them to, you know, be normal children and not have to deal with this extra burden. And not that it's a burden, but I think it, when you're going through puberty and hormones, anything else is a burden. They just yeah, yeah. And some kids weren't allowed to play with my kids because of what I did. 
Really? You know, people would know. Yeah, they would know who I was, and they were like, "No, you can't go over that guy's house." Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I was kind of, I felt bad for him for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, all about just. I hope you do write a book for for kids. There, there's not a whole lot out there right now. There's about twelve books, maybe, on psychics and and children and ghosts. Yeah, so, I, I don't know. I don't know how to do it though. I don't want to make it too serious, but at the same time, I. I don't know, like, you know, see ghost Jane run, Jane run. You know, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel that your guides will find out, a way. But they keep saying that's what they want to do. I, I, ho- I, I hope you do, because I think it would be well received. Well, Michael, Thanks. thank you so much for joining us for this hour. It's been super fun and informative. If people want to check you out, they can go to michaelbodine.com. Yeah, there- it's kind of dull. It's no. pretty dull. Well, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of flashy stuff. I should, but you know, if people want to get, they'll know if they want to get a reading from me, they'll just know it in their little hearts. And um, otherwise I don't, I don't want to push it on people. Like I say, I'm not a medium. I, you know, I, I don't, if your relatives show up, like I said, they'll, they'll, I'll, I'll tell you, that's not my thing. I'm, I'm pretty, you're pretty basic psychic guy with just opportunity stuff, future stuff. And if, when people call, uh, if I don't think I can be any help, I just won't respond or I'll respond or I'll try to be a flaky psychic. I don't want them to feel bad. I just, I just know that I'm not going to be any help. And there's a ton of other psychics that would probably be able to help them. So they can, they can try to meet you <laughs> yeah, at michaelbodine.com. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, or they can check know, out either of your books, Growing Up Psychic and A Psychic's Life, which I found hilarious and informative and just very entertaining. Well, good. Well, yeah, you would you would know because of the psychic stuff. You would understand the what it's like in the in the community. It's a weird time right now for psychics. Yeah, it's just odd. I I wish people would just lighten lighten up a little bit. It's we could be very supportive of each other because it's it is a tough job. Right, and and we've got the heavy, intense energy of twenty twenty, which I exactly kick into the curb soon. <laughs> oh God, it's been psychically, it's been a nightmare. I don't know that it's going to be lightening up soon, but I I hope it is, and I feel I feel a lot more hopeful about twenty twenty one. And I don't know if that's wishful thinking or psychic stuff, but I think we're heading into better times. Yeah, well, you got a sweetness to you. You know, you have a you have a kindness to you. Something I wish I had more of. <laughs> Agree. You I do. Think you do have that. I just think you don't call it the same. No, thing. you have more patience with things. You could, you know, somebody could talk to you about stuff, and you'd be more understanding and loving about it. I just don't have that. I, I, I just like, you know, I. Well, I do think our guides know us, and I think they send clients to us that kind of vibrate with us, which is probably why I haven't had the Great Dane type of client that you were describing before. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was so weird. Jeez. But it, but it was really helpful. And, yeah, and the yeah. Lady you was learned very no judgment, which is good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I've, geez, I've you know. had to learn that quite a few times. I mean, my I think the most shocking thing that happened to me in a reading, and it's and compared to you, it's nothing. I was doing a reading for a woman and her mother came through and I kept seeing an image of the daughter putting something in the coffin. And usually I'll oh. see like a baseball card or a teddy bear, like I'll know what it is, but I didn't see anything. I just saw the image of her putting something in the coffin. And so I, I asked, did you put something special in the coffin? Your mom wants to thank you. And she said, oh yeah, I put our marijuana in there. We used to love to get high together. <laughs> oh, well, see, that's nice that they tell you that stuff. 
I don't know. I was like, oh. People love that stuff, though. That's so great because they love that detailed stuff when you do that. That's great. Well, it was it was different. I can't imagine uh, sharing that with my daughters. <laughs> no, but no, but that was. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, that it was, was sweet. Fun. Well, anyway, I could talk to you forever. Thank you so so much. It's been a treat for me. It's one thing I love about having a podcast is I can read a book and fall in love with it and go, oh my god, I can talk to them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because I really wanted to talk to you guys because you guys have that certain vibe thing to you. Thank you. It's very sweet. And I need that sweetness because <laughs> I deal with some jerks, man. <laughs> Probably because I just, yeah, maybe because I like it, but I don't know. But it's a, you guys, um, you have such a kindness to you. I love kindness. Thank you. We appreciate that. And I, like I said, I think you have it too. You just call it something else. <laughs> I, yeah, well, well <laughs> yeah, I think I've been doing it too long. And so I, you know, I, I just, I'm missing a couple of chips that I used to have. Well, maybe I never had them, but I, I'm missing a couple of those. And that is that, you know, like if somebody came to you and was talking to you about, and they were sick, you could probably make like my mom, she, if you had cancer, you'd feel good about it after talking to my mom and same thing with talking to you guys, you know, but I don't, I just don't have that. <laughs> well, I think listeners who will go to your website will appreciate your candor. How about that? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Michael Bodine. And thank you everyone for listening. As always, please remember to show up, do great work and share your light.